Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Welcome into the program, everyone. This is Red Sox Beat, of course. I am Jared Scali, along, uh, joined alongside of another week. Jess Thomas is joining me again this week. We're thankful to have Chris Hogan be our guest host this week. Nate Rollins should be back next week. I've said that the last couple weeks, but who knows? Nate keeps having reasoning in his personal life, which is fine. No big deal. We have the very capable Jess Thomas here with me. Jess, how are you this week? I'm good. Happy to be on another show. I mean, they can, they can keep not wanting to do it if you want. <laughs> coming on. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, they, they can just kind of keep doing his thing. Jess and I are holding the fort down well. Uh, i got a lot to talk about today, of course, in Red Sox Nation. Uh, two big players, one coming out of nowhere, of course, with Hanley Ramirez. But before we do, I just don't, I want to remind you guys, after months of anticipation and hard work, CLNS Radio is proud to obviously announce the release of our new mobile app. Now you can enjoy all of your favorite Boston sports podcasts from one place on your iPhone or Android device. You can go to, obviously, each uh, app Store, either the App Store on Apple or the Google Play Store, or go to clnsradio.com backslash iOS free, or CLNS, clnsradio.com backslash Android, and you can listen to all of our podcasts, our, our uh, post-game shows, all that good stuff, all throughout the CLNS network. All the shows get uploaded right there, so you can listen to them right when they ha- after they get recorded and put up. So it's a great content. We're glad to give it to you guys and just go on and enjoy it. Um, like I said, big news in baseball today. The two things that obviously we want to start with here is Hanley Ramirez. Yes, that Hanley Ramirez and Pablo Sandoval both have reportedly agreed to deals with the Boston Red Sox. Pablo Sandoval has been obviously in talks for the last week. Uh, this time last week while we were chatting to you, while we were, while we were doing the show, he, we found out he was in Boston visiting the Red Sox, wanting to get that deal done. He's with his agent and his brother. There wasn't an offer reportedly given to him when he left Boston, but the, the offer is in now, and he has accepted. Pablo Sandoval is coming to Boston on a five-year, $100 million contract per multiple reports as of now. Um, CBS Sports is the first to report that one. That one, just to me, isn't really as a surprise since last week because we knew we were gonna, the Red Sox were going to be in the hunt for Pablo right when the season was over, even before the season was over, while the World Series was going. Everyone sat here and said, he's a free agent, he would fit. And I think Pablo and his head knew that the Red Sox were a top choice for him, too, because it wasn't much longer after that World Series was done. After the celebration, all the confetti kind of faded away. He was on a plane to Boston, and a week later, he's in a Red Sox uniform. Yeah, it's it's funny. We were talking about it in the, last, the last time I was on a couple of weeks ago, and we won really bad, and we didn't really have any reason specifically yet to know that he would be coming here at all. It kind of became more clear as the week went on. But still, there was there was still some... Some question marks, though, because from what I could see, at least, it seemed like the Giants pretty much offered him the same same ish thing to what we did, and I don't really know what the Padres uh, wanted to give him, but that was, never was really stated. But I guess they kind of fell off the map pretty quickly. But since he could have picked between us and the Giants, and he has history there, and we had a similar contract, I'm slightly surprised that it happened this fast and that he came right here and. I'm will. I'm definitely willing to think that a big, big reason was because of David Ortiz. Because who doesn't want to play with David Ortiz? I think that was probably huge. Because otherwise, I don't see why he wouldn't have wanted to go back to San Francisco. Yeah, I think they had to. For me, it had to be personal. I think there might have been an issue with the deal that 
he was offered in the first place um, earlier in the year. I believe it was in the five-year, ninety-ish million dollar range. And I think now, if he, if the Giants just offered that to him now, he might have taken it. But I feel like they might have been a little cheap on that sense of giving him a short end of the stick. He wanted the hundred pence deal. He didn't get it right away, and now he's getting paid by the Red Sox. So, and obviously, like you said, David Ortiz is a big factor in this. David Ortiz is really good friends with Pablo Sandoval. Um, they joke around all the time when they were around All-Star games. And I think that's obviously a big influence coming in. Pablo Sandoval, this past season, hit 279. Um, his OPS has been really declining the last couple of years. He's 28 years old as of now. Um, and obviously the weight issues have been in the talk of the town ever since the, the issue came up. But I don't think the weight is going to be an issue at all, in my opinion, because he's He's slimmed down the last couple of years, and he clearly is mobile enough. If you watch Pablo Sandoval at all play third base, he can move. He can run the base pass still, despite the weight he has. He know he, He's very athletic in his frame, and he really can handle himself. So I think the weight's not going to be an issue. Uh, the deal's not 100% official yet. The Red Sox have not confirmed that. The physical is the last step of that, and it's in the deals. The team's clauses to not announce deals until it's official once they pass the physical. Um, the weight, don't worry, fans, the weight will not be an issue to pass a physical. Um, that's not one of the major issues unless he's, like, sincerely overbeast and cannot play baseball. But that's, the weight is not an issue at all. That, if that won't be a reason why he would fail his physical, and I don't see that why there would be a reason he would fail his physical. Um, Monday night, if not Tuesday, he should be fine and that should be announced. I'm assuming they're going to announce both these deals together. Um, the other one, of course, being Hanley Ramirez. Now, this one's interesting to me. Hanley Ramirez is reportedly wanting the five-year deal. Um, base, the deal is four years, $88 million, with the fifth uh, option year, um, and that would raise it up to $110 million. So $22 million a year for Hanley Ramirez. A lot of people are quite scratching their heads on this one. I think, Jess, a lot of people would be at ease if it was one or the other, but the fact that you brought in two left-side infielders to play, and I'm hearing a lot of, oh, and now you're going to trade Bogarts because you have Hanley and he's a shortstop. No, the Red Sox plan is to have him play left field, and multiple reports are saying that it's in, it was in the contract discussion when Hanley came here to talk. They said, you're playing left field if you come here, because Hanley Ramirez sought out the Red Sox. He called them and said, is there any interest, and they said yes. So they said, you're going to play left field if you come here, or some sort of like that, and he said, that's fine, I, will, I want to come play with you guys. And they got the deal done. Ken Rodenthal reported the $88 million deal with the vesting option for that $22 million that fifth year. But Hanley obviously has had his issues when the Red Sox traded him to the Marlins for Josh Beckett and Mike Lowell, who, by the way, that was a Ben Sherrington trade. He was acting GM at the time, and he made that deal, not Theo Epstein. So Ben Sherrington came full circle and got his guy back. Just a fun fact there for all of you. Um, which I thought was interesting. I had no idea until I saw that earlier. But um, Hanley's an interesting one. He's had, he had locker room issues in Miami. Him and his manager went back and forth, and he said he would not want to play for him anymore. And the manager said he had no hustle, no respect, and he benched him in like the second inning of a game once for not hustling to first base and then didn't start him the next night. So some issues there. Uh, Dodgers teammates didn't seem to have too much of an issue with him except the fact that he was never really on the field because he had some, a few injury problems here and there which kept him off. Um, so that's the big concern for me for Hanley. But Jess, do you think that this team can really coincide with both these guys on this team? Do you, would you have rather only had Hanley or only had Pablo? And just overall, what was your reaction when you found out this was happening? Because you're the one who wrote the, the, saw the news in the first place and wrote it on CLNS radio and kind of got the ball rolling for our coverage. And really, it kind of happened quickly. You said to me right before we came on here, almost 45 minutes after you wrote it, they kind of said, oh, now he's got, he put a good chance he's coming here. So, Jess, what do you think of this deal overall? Yeah, well, for, first I want to talk about Sandoval just for a second. Um, I think on that, since it's only five years, he'll be 33 years old. I don't really see an issue in terms of that at all. And like we said, the weight shouldn't matter that he has. So I think that was a really good deal. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. And I'm, I'm glad they got that done and got it done early. In terms of Ramirez... Obviously, if you remember, and if anyone who listened to our the last time I was on a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't too excited about Hanley Ramirez as a possibility. I was I was pretty low on him, but I'll admit, as time's gone on, I've looked at his numbers more and seen more talking stuff. I'm a lot more excited about it now than I was a couple of weeks ago. I think he's 
I I wasn't completely sure about all his history. I hadn't really looked into him very much until recently. I mean, he won Rookie of the Year in 06 and had the, won the batting title in 09. So, I mean, he's clearly had some good numbers. His career batting average is 300. So I think I think numbers-wise, that was a very good move. In terms of getting both of them, I think that was also fine because I love that Ramirez contacted the Red Sox and then just completely agreed. Like that pretty much immediately shows that he appears to be a team player, at least at least at the beginning here, and he'll do it whatever the team needs to to make it work for them. So I think that was probably a huge thing. If he was like, No, I'll play shortstop or maybe third, they would have been like, Yeah, forget it. But the fact that he'll play anything and they can put him in the outfield <laughs> outfield's pretty pretty uh clustered right now, but that'll obviously change at some point because sure trades will happen and probably Cespedes will be gone, all that. We'll talk about that in a bit, I'm sure, but um, I think it's great that he's willing to switch positions. I think it's great that that they got both of them. I think it's I think it's good they got both of them at kind of the same time because it kind of shows like they're obviously in this to get a lot of people to make a huge splash this offseason to probably doing a lot more moves from here on out, but I, the thing I'm not sure about is the contract. I've seen people, I'm not huge on like contracts and money things. Like I don't really have that many opinions on them, but I've seen some people say it was a really good deal for Ramirez. And I've seen some people say it was a really bad deal in terms of money. I guess it, whatever they do is <laughs> they, they know what they're, they know what, how much money they have, I guess, but I don't see how it's a really a problem to be a pretty proven player at this point in his career. And, so willing to move around and adjust, I don't, I don't really see a problem with it. But I think both moves are good. I saw a tweet from somebody that they're going to do, like you just said, they're going to do, uh, announce the signings at an official press release or press conference tomorrow. So that should all come together and, and be official and whatnot. So I, I think it's a good start to the off season. I'm impressed that they got both of them, and it's clear that we're out, out to do some moves and make, make big decisions and kind of knock the baseball world on its, <laughs> off its feet for a minute here in the offseason. Yeah, it, the, obviously the Red Sox have done this before with the Carl Crawford and um, Adrian Gonzalez signings back back yonder, um, and the Dodgers bailed them out. But because that was not, that did not work, and it might have been more personality than anything. But at the time, we thought we, we were as hyped as we are now, and I'm just afraid, Jess, that this could be a Carl Crawford 2.0 situation, but I don't think it will be because Panda's proven that he can play under pressure and be a pivotal role in a World Series team. And Henley Ramirez, he's put he's put up big numbers and he can play. And I think around David Ortiz, who he who he claims is his mentor, and they've known each other for a while. He's from the Dominican as well, obviously. Excuse me. He, I think he'll do well here. I think he's going to flourish. Like I said, he called the Red Sox and said, "I want to come play there." He wanted to play at Fenway Park. I think part of him when he when he was traded to the Marlins, he was crushed. He wanted to be a Red Sox in the first place. There were, there were always stories out there, and they've been kind of resurfacing here as the Red Sox made these deals happen in the last 12, 20, 12 to 24 hours, that even when he, in the Marlins days, um, Ramirez had the, man, the club, club guys put the Red Sox games on the TVs next to his locker really? so he could watch the Red Sox play. I yeah, I, saw, I, I had no idea either. Wow. And that kind of throws to me that he, I think that him getting traded to – the Marlins really hurt him more than he, I, we all kind of thought it would. He really wanted to be a Red Sox, and I think that's part of why he asked to come back. He really wanted to play at Fenway Park, and now he gets the chance to to do that towards the end of his career. He's now 30 years old. He'll be 31 right before Christmas, I believe. Yeah. So he'll be 31 to start the year. He wants to. He wanted to play here, and he found a chance to do that, and he, and he took advantage of it. And I think the $88 million is a good deal for him for four years. Um Look, baseball is one of the few sports that you kind of get paid for what you have done more than what you're going to do. I think a lot of times baseball players get paid hefty amounts of sums before they actually do what they are going to do. No, a lot of GMs go, oh, well, you did this five years ago, and you've been okay since then, so we're going to pay you a lot of money versus, oh, what are you going to do the next five years? And I think that's part of what Hanley is because in his prime, this might even have been underpaid. But now I, I can see why people are overpay- considering the overpayment because – in the next five years or four years, if you don't get that option, what what's he going to do? And I, I, you have room. I think left field's a good spot for him if he can learn that position because, one, it's not a big outfield out there in left field. you got the monster behind you. If he can learn the wall, 
There's not a lot of room to cover. Manny Ramirez was able to play the outfield at Fenway Park, and you won two World Series with him playing left field. He played really he well, his, too. <laughs> yeah, you had him play. You had him come in here. He had blunders. He had his issues, but he figured it out, and he played a pretty decent left field for a guy who wasn't supposed to be able to play anywhere at all in the field. Hanley Ramirez is going to be a better left fielder, I think, than Manny Ramirez because, well, Hanley is a little more athletic than Manny. Manny was a pure hitter, and they found room in the outfield, and they put him out there because of the way he hit. Hanley's the same way. They want his bat in the lineup. He's got decent speed still. If they can keep him healthy, which is a huge if with this guy. He's had groin, hip. Um, I know he's had a shoulder issue. If they can keep him healthy, which I, I Red Sox doctors are pretty good nowadays, and they have a good medical staff here in Boston. If they can keep him healthy, it's a good addition, and then you have plenty of options now to do trade-wise moving forward. I think Hanley Ramirez is a great pickup. I don't think it's an overpayment. But the big thing with these two deals, Jess, is is now you're $42 million out of the supposed 50 that you set for yourself if you're the Red Sox is now gone. They claim coming into the offseason they had $50 million of space of money to spend, and that was their cap. Well, now with the $22 million they're spending on Hanley and the $20 million they're going to spend this year on Pablo Sandoval, that is now $42 million out of the 50 that they have, and that's on two guys, and now they have to fill a pitching role. They have to go get more pitching, and they need two pitchers and some bullpen help to really make this lineup work. The offense is going to be there now. We know that. But the projected lineups that I'm seeing have Napoli hitting seventh. <laughs> so that's wow. a little crazy. And realistically, it's probably going to be sixth because Cespedes has been included in some of those lineups, and he's probably not going to be here after all this stuff that's been going on. But if Cespedes were to be here in 2015, you're going to a lot of times a lot of lineups have Napoli hitting seventh, which is insane because Napoli was hitting fourth this year until he got injured and got benched for the rest of the year. So your offense has obviously imp- improved dramatically, dramatically just by adding these two guys because it bumps everyone down a peck who was batting underneath them. So that's huge for this team. But now you have 42 million dollars being spent. Now, if you want to assume, Jess, that $32 million is where you're really at because you can, say, take $10 million off the books for Cespedes as being dealt. You now have $18 million to be spent on, on two starting pitchers and a bullpen guy. That's a, not a lot of room to work that with. a little unrealistic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's where I'm fearful of, will Lester be here? Will Lester be here? Will you be able to get a Cole Hamels? Who are you going to have to deal with to make room for a Cole Hamels or a, J- or a John Lester? Because... Right now, you have plenty of log jam of a log jam in the outfield. You just stated that before, Jess. So, I don't know where the heck this is. This money is going to be coming from. I'm almost as puzzled of where this money is coming from as where the Giancarlo Stanton money is coming from down in Miami. Because I have no idea how the Red Sox are going to pay everyone if they don't deal like half their roster away. And look, they have plenty of prospects to deal. I'm not saying they don't. Just don't trade Xander Bogarts. Don't turn this into oh Hanley can play shortstop. No, just keep Xander Bogarts. Let him play short. Pablo can play third. That's a great now. That turns into a decent left side infield. I don't even know what they're going to do, but they have plenty of options. Lester, there. I've seen some other reports today. Um, Peter Gammons being one of them, saying that a source from him saying that Lester was pretty close to being a deal, having a deal with the Red Sox for six years and like 120, something like that. Was the number I saw, but. I don't think that's going to do it. I think you'd have to pay a little more for him. And you have other teams involved. I think the Cubs are your only real threat. Obviously, the Yankees are always there. and We haven't heard anything, but they never usually talk until they sweep in and say something and grab the guy. So, obviously, the Yankees are always there until the guy is off the board. But I think your biggest threat for money and for just relationship-wise is the Cubs. Obviously, we've talked about this because of Theo and Joe Madden's there now. I think for John Lester's sake, he's going to be a Red Sox. But if that's the case, I don't know who you're going to add after Jess. Yeah, well, I think I hope that I certainly hope they can get Lester, and that will definitely solve a lot of problems. But yeah, he might he might be, have a pretty hefty cost. But I'm kind of confused here. Last couple of days, yeah, there's been a lot of different people. One people saying we're close to getting Lester. Some people saying it's not even close. I mean, I feel like what the real report is is that he's still talking to teams, and a decision won't be made. In the near, in the quite near future, I think it's the beauties of hot stove, isn't it? What was that? I said it's the beauties of hot stove. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone's throwing out different rumors. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I actually didn't hear about that fifty million dollar thing that you're talking about. I didn't know about that, but it seems a little hard to believe with where they're where they started out here in the last two days. 
So I don't, maybe maybe hopefully that's not true. Because clearly we need more than this. I'm also yeah. I'm also seeing here that uh, Cole Hamels, they've been in a lot of conversations with him after making the Hanley Ramirez deal. So we should keep an eye on that. <laughs> yeah, I did. Time. I did see too. Well, I'll bring this up now because you brought up Cole Hamels that he said that he would waive his no trade clause for the Red Sox if he um, if they were willing to pick up that. $22 million option or whatever. I think I think it's 20. I have it in front of me. Let me look it up. But um, I think it was 22. I'm not 100% sure. But I think there's a big, big sense that Cole Hamels is the favorite in terms of becoming the Boston. Um, if you can somehow pull off money-wise to get Lester and Cole Hamels, then by all means. Because yeah. then there's your issue. And then you just have to kind of patch the patchwork the bullpen. But that's a big deal if you can pull that off because then you have Lester and Hamels, two left-handed guys. You don't have to rely on Henry Owens to mature too quickly. You can leave him down in AAA and maybe even bring him up to be a fifth starter eventually, and then you'd have three taller left-handed guys in your rotation, which would be filthy. <laughs> that would be insane. Well, I think it would be I mean, it would be awesome to get both of them, obviously, but I doubt that would happen. That seems a little, a little too good to be true. But give, give me Lester all day long, but it seems pretty serious with, with Hamels here. We'll see. What happens with that? Just a quick note here, too. I'm seeing a tweet from Mike Lynch saying that he's told that Sandoval had the same offer from the Giants but left because he felt disrespected. Oh, I love when I'm right. That's interesting. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah, I believe it was because they weren't paying him what he wanted in the beginning, and he turned he turned down a, the qualifying offer because they only offered him a qualifying offer, and they didn't come right after him like he felt he was deserved. And the Red Sox, obviously, we know, pushed so hard to get him and flew him in here right away and had all these things ready for him that it was basically like, okay, if it's really that personal, you're not going to choose the Giants because the Red Sox wanted you bad. I guess, yeah, they I guess it was a matter of, of who wanted him more. <laughs> yeah. Giants are screwed. Let me just throw this on a side note real quick. The Giants do not have a third baseman now, obviously, with Pablo coming here, but they don't have anyone behind him. Wow. They have he was their plan because he he wasn't supposed to leave. Yeah, yeah. They expected him to stay, and now he's gone. They and they said they're not going to spend money on a third baseman like if like so. They basically they're not going to go out and spend money on Chase Headley. They're going to have to find some cheap guy to fill in the hole and go out and probably get an outfielder or a pitcher, which I believe they said. Which also is interesting because now the Giants are reportedly in the John Lester. I was going to actually mention that. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> so yeah, some people are saying since they lost Sandoval that they're pursuing Lester now. So my question to you is if we end up okay, say say the Giants get Lester because of this now, which basically would essentially mean that we lost Lester to get Sandoval. Is that worth it to you? Essentially, um I don't know if it's more of we lost uh, see, I don't know if I could put it that way because we also consider could say it we lost Lester to get Hanley. Mm-hmm. Because if you didn't sign, if you don't sign Hanley, and then you could pay Lester, and you wouldn't have to worry about it. But just for the sense of your question, it's not worth it. Because if you're going just on the base of, if the Giants kept Pablo, and wouldn't they go wouldn't go Lester. after Lester, right. then we could get Lester. I don't think it is worth it because then you, if you go to the sense of that, you do have Pablo and Hanley. Hanley, you would have Hanley. Right. So then, if you're going off of that sense, I don't think I think it's not worth it because you. Yes, Pablo Sandoval. I think Pablo Sandoval was more of a business than a baseball signing to me. I think it makes sense baseball-wise, and that's why they could pull it off and kind of hide their real and true intentions because that's Lucchino's real way. Lucchino's always been about the business, and we know that. And I think this was a good deal for him business-wise. It's not too much money long-term because he knows he's going to make up that money in terms of revenue off of marketing Panda himself. And it's going to get two lovable guys on the roster at the same time because you have him and Ortiz now playing together. So now you have Big Poppy and Panda on the same roster for at least two more years. That's a big deal, and that's going to put uh, butts in the seats for Larry Lucchino. Absolutely. So I think that was a big, big influence for him. And obviously we were going to go watch Lester, but if you can get Panda, Ortiz, and they felt that they could go get Lester too and not, lo- not worry about losing him, right. then that's, what, that's why they did this. Because they think they can get less, they still feel like they could probably get Lester. I think out, out of all, this. it was just a it was just a hypothetical question. I was just curious to see your thoughts, but I'm certainly hoping we can get all of them. That would be ideal. Do, do you think it was it'd be worth it? Absolutely not. I would 
take Lester over Sandoval any day long. I mean, I'm a pretty big, pretty big homer, clearly, but still. Well, yeah, I, I agree. I no, but you have. I think anyone in the baseball world looking into us right now, listening to this, Jess, has to agree with both of us because why right. wouldn't you? You need pitching more than you need a third baseman if you have Hanley and Pablo. Right. So you need a guy who's proven in the playoffs, a left-handed hitter, a left-handed pitcher who's an ace on a staff, a legitimate ace, not a lower-tier ace. So you need a legitimate ace, if not another one, to head the staff into the playoffs and into redemption of winning the AL East. You already had him. It's John Lester. There's no question right. that if you have a chance to go back and get him, yeah. he, that's the biggest need the Red Sox have had, and that's, what, that's why they did it. Look, the Red Sox offense was needed the major overhaul. They were last in almost every category this year, especially in runs scored and batting average. They were terrible. We, there's no question. We saw it because the kids could not hit. And they weren't getting those timely hits when runners are in the scoring position. You had Hanley Ramirez and Pablo Sandoval in that lineup. You now have a potential lineup of, in this order, Ruzne Castillo, Dustin Pedroia, David Ortiz, um, Joanna Cespedes, if he doesn't get traded, Hanley Ramirez, Pablo Sandoval, Mike Napoli, then Xander Bogarts, and Christian Vasquez. Mike Napoli is seventh in the lineup I just read to you. Yeah. That's, that, that's he was hitting fourth this year. That drops him down three spots, and the three people replacing him are Cespedes, Hanley Ramirez, and Pablo Sandoval. Yeah, that would be huge. And they, we definitely solved the offense problem. <laughs> and it's not like Napoli lost anything either. He hasn't gotten worse. It's just that you guys you bring in three offensive guys like that. And potentially you're going to think, I, I don't think Cespedes is going to be here that long, Jess. Um, so realistically, you got to think it's going to be Ortiz three, Hanley four, Pablo five, Nap six. Wouldn't you think Pablo maybe. Would be before Hanley? And you don't think? I don't know. It's tough because Hanley's got more power, I think, than um, than uh, Pablo. That's true. And if you, the way I think of it is, if you can, you have Pablo hitting left-handers, left-handed majority of the time because he's a switch hitter. Then you could kind of go Ortiz left. Hanley right, uh, Pablo left. So then you can't kind of put two. You can't put a lefty on the pen on the bump two pitchers in a row and have the matchup. That's yeah. that's just my opinion. That makes sense. I, I was mean, thinking about the which where they batted, which hand. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, because he's predominantly a left-handed hitter. Right. So if you have Ortiz, obviously only hits left-handed with a lefty against him. If you have Pablo, the next batter, you're going to leave the lefty in so you can make Pablo hit from the worst side of the plate. But then you have Hanley behind. You'd have Hanley, who hits lefties well, so it wouldn't make sense. I don't know. That's the way I look at it. But Napoli hitting sixth is just like a huge upgrade. And if Xander Bogarts can be a shell of what he was in the World Series his rookie year, mm. him hitting eighth is even like a huge jump. Yeah, that's a huge, huge thing. I mean, he was hitting first and second a little bit last year. <laughs> exactly. And he wasn't hitting too bad at the end of the year. So if he yeah. can get his confidence back and realize, okay, shortstop's mine. They're not going to mess with my mind this year <laughs> and just play well. Then he'll be fine, and, uh, and like it's very underrated what I said too. But Ruiz Castillo sitting leadoff, that guy's supposed to be fantastic. Yeah, that's a big deal too. You know what else they could do? They could also, if you break it down a little further, they could also hit Napoli fourth and hit Ramirez sixth. You know, they could. They could. They could do a lot with that lineup. They could change things around. Um, I would. I don't. I think the top of the, your lineup is pretty much going to be set: Castillo, Pedroia, Ortiz, unless maybe, maybe. If Victorino plays right field, because if you get rid of Cespedes, you could have Victorino hit leadoff for a little while, because he's still here. Right. And you don't have a lot of trade value in that guy right now. No. So there's a good chance he's probably going to be your starting right fielder if Cespedes gets traded. Well, Victorino thinks he's going to be starting right fielder. So. <laughs> he has no problem saying it either, right. according to what we, we talked about before, Jess. But Don't forget about Brock so Holt, really, too. He can so you have, Brock, <laughs> you have Brock Holt. You have Daniel Nava still on this team. Look, I'm not saying all these people are going to be here next year. I really don't. The two people that I think are most likely gone, in my opinion, are going to be Ioannis Cespedes and Mookie Betts. Mm-hmm. Because Ioannis Cespedes is the only major league guy that you really could get someone to take. And Mookie Betts is the biggest, pro, the most value we have in a prospect right now. Right. Because he's the only one who's really shown he can do it in a big league level. And no one's going to. People want Bogarts, but we're not going to trade Bogarts. So if you can package Cespedes, Mookie Betts, and maybe a pitching prospect like a Marrero or even a Swihart if you think Vasquez is your guy now. You don't need Giacchini anymore because you got Pablo Sandoval. Oh, yeah. You have plenty of prospects that you thought were going to be starters for your team who are projected to be starters in this league. Now you do not need for the next five or six years. Yeah, that's so by the time, a lot of things. <laughs> so you can trade all of your top prospects if you really wanted to. I think Cole Hamels comes here and Lester potentially could, but I don't think so. I, I know there's a lot of sources saying Lester comes here. Cole Hamels, unfortunately, won't take a pay cut 
Lester's going to take probably a little bit of a hometown discount to come, but not much the way they treated him at the trade deadline in July. So I liked what the options are. I don't think Mookie Betts is going to be here. Unfortunately, I think he's got he's got capability to play well. He's we've seen it. Now, one thing I want to post to you, Jess, and I heard it on the way home on on radio. Dustin Pedroia is coming back from another injury. He obviously he's had hand and wrist issues the last several years now. Really hasn't had a full healthy year. If you don't want to get rid of Mookie Betts and you can put him back to his position, would you? And I've brought this up before, and people have shunned me for it. But would you trade Dustin Pedroia given the right deal? Not going to just throw him away out in the dumpster here. But would you would you trade Dustin Pedroia for the right package and put Mookie Betts at second? Wow, really putting me on the spot. <laughs> I'm going to because I'm intrigued by that. Man. I would do it. I okay. I'll, I'll give you time to think about it. Okay. I would do it only because only only if it was the right situation. You got the perfect package. Obviously, it would be. I don't think you need to trade Dustin Pedroia to get Cole Hamels, but if you could go to the Reds even and get maybe two or three of those guys for Dustin Pedroia, I don't know. You'd have to get a perfect package back for Dustin Pedroia, but you obviously know Mookie Betts is a cheaper option and he's capable of playing second base. You saw the power. He can hit the ball. It wouldn't be a terrible idea. Obviously, the Red Sox aren't going to do it. I'm not stupid. They're not going to trade Dustin Pedroia, the heartbeat of this team. He's the dirt dog. He's what a Red Sox is supposed to be, according to their philosophy, which I'm still confused about now with all these deals. But they, Dustin Pedroia is not going anywhere, but I'm just curious to think, if just, would you do it? And do you think later down the road, maybe after this contract's up for Pedroia, would he do it? I don't know. It's just a question I like to pose to people. I'm all for projecting Pedroia if it's the right idea, but I, most people, I'm sure, aren't. Yeah, well, okay, so there's two sides to me here. There's the, <laughs> the Red Sox fan and the what makes sense person. Okay, what makes sense? Give me the what makes sense. I see what you mean and about trading him, because look at the ages, first of all. He's nine years older than Betts. So if you can salvage Betts and keep him on the team and get a lot for Pedroia in return and have a guy nine years younger at second base, that makes a lot of sense, actually, because, because Betts looks to be like a great, like he will be a great major league player. But then the second hand of that is, I would, this obviously isn't possible, but I want to be like 100% guaranteed that Betts would be on the team for like 15 years. Because <laughs> then, yeah. then he'd be losing Pedroia for, like, say he stays for like four years. Well, that's totally not worth it. Like, you got to have him for like his whole career if you're going to trade Pedroia. So everything had to be, would have to be perfect for that. And obviously the Red Sox fan of me would say, no way. But if you're going to, if you're going to, going to, uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> if you're going to, yeah. like, actually trade Pedroia and keep, keep bets, you just, I don't know. I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> I, I, no, it's fine. I was intrigued by the question myself. I heard him say it. It was uh, it was Tony Maz on the sports hub up here in Boston. Oh, okay. and I was just I was he brought it up before, and a, a, like during the season, and I was intrigued by it. And I kind of started to agree with him going through it and thinking. And I looked up Pedroia's stats in the last couple of years, and it was the slow decline. And obviously with the injury issues, that's kind of a big deal for him. And he's got to prove that he can stay healthy. And I thought Pedroia's value is still high. You could definitely deal him. And now Maz bringing up again today, Mookie Betts' value is very high, but his price tag isn't that high. It's a very cheap option for second base when you have a bunch of offense already in this lineup now. With the, making these deals for Pablo and Hanley, I'm not trying to overhype these deals, but you could easily afford to lose Pedroia's bat. And I think Mookie Betts is not too much of a drop-off from Pedroia defensively now with him being younger and Pedroia not being healthy completely with his hands. Well, he could, it's not he could be now, though. <laughs> Yeah, it wouldn't be as much of a drop-off as we think. Obviously, I could be proven completely wrong. He could be healthy and come back and be fine, and I'm hoping that. I'm a Red Sox fan. I want that to happen because I don't think they're going to trade him, so he might as well be healthy and play well. And I, th- and I do agree with most people in the sense of if, if they are good this year and they do fix the other holes and they make a push for something this year, he's going to be a big part of it. He always is. He's a big guy in that locker room. He always comes up with big hits. He still has some power there to put it over the monster. Thankfully, he plays at Fenway Park and not some not like uh, – anything giant, massive park, say in uh, Chicago and the White Sox or anything like that. He plays in a small park, so it works into his favor, and that's a big thing for the new guys, too. Hanley and Pablo are coming from bigger parks and moving to smaller parks, so you're going to probably see those numbers bump up, too. Right. Yeah, well, I think that that's that's the other big thing between Betts and Pedroia. Pedroia's got the clubhouse thing, and Betts has been around long enough to have the clubhouse thing. Yeah, that's true. But keep in mind, too, I know this is just foolish because – Pedroia's crazy, but I'm sure you saw recently that Pedroia told Ben Charrington he was going to hit 480 next season. 
I did see that. That was funny. <laughs> I read it. I read it, and I almost laughed as hard as I read when Victorino when I read Victorino's article about him claiming he's the right fielder all of a sudden, um, like he earned it being on the DL all year and having issues. Um, I laughed almost as hard because, yes, I want Fortroy to hit 480 or whatever, but he's not going to. Like Victorino shouldn't claim himself the starting right fielder when he's coming off surgeries and being unhealthy, when the Red Sox are probably going to steal him if they can get a decent price for him, which they probably won't. But right. Yeah, well, so, I thought, it, I mean, yeah, it seems crazy looking at it, but I don't know. Pedroia's just crazy enough, and I'm just crazy enough to believe him. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe, he'll, maybe he'll like 370 or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for him. I, if he actually is healthy, then I think he have a fantastic year. And just he's been proving people wrong his whole life, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he had a monster year. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. There's a lot to do with the Red Sox this offseason. And going back, I just pulled up some numbers here, going back to the Cole Hamels thing. Um, him and Lester, pretty much even. I think we knew this already, but both are turning 31 soon. Hamels' birthday is December 27th. Lester is January 7th. So they're both 31 going into next year. Um, Hamels is 108 and 83 on his career. Lester is 116 and 67. Hamels has a 3.27 ERA. Mind you, that's all the National League. Um because he obviously has played in the National League, and Lester has a career of 3.58 ERA. It's pretty identical. Obviously, Lester had the tougher competition being in the AL East and pitching in the AL. But um, Hamels is 7-4 in, the, in 13 postseason starts with a 3.09 ERA. Lester is 6-4 in 12 starts with a 2.57 ERA. And uh, it's, it's not World the Series he- numbers. Yeah, it's not a huge, huge drop-off. I don't have the World Series numbers in front of me if you want to look them up, Jess. I'm just in an article which quoted them. But Lester's World Series numbers is where he's earning his money. Yeah. Because we, we've seen it here. Winning our World Series, that's he's the biggest reason why we've won all of our World Series for the most part. Obviously, last year was the timely hitting and stuff like that. But Lester was a big factor in both World Series he was here for. So that's where he's going to earn his stripes and get his money. Obviously, he didn't do too hot in the uh, wild card game this year for the A's, but I don't think that that's not going to cause a blemish in his resume to get paid. No. He's going to get paid if he wants to. The Cubs are probably going to offer him the most money. It's just a matter of where he wants to pitch. I think it's going to come down to the Cubs and the Red Sox for him. Um, other options we know of uh, for the Red Sox pitching as we kind of get further along in the program here. Uh, Nationals Jordan Zimmerman has been rumored to be potentially traded, but I think that's a stupid a uh, uh, rumor because there's no way they're going to trade a guy when they won 90-something wins this year. I think it was 96. There's no need to really mess with that really big picture. Um, the Tigers will most likely lose Max Scherzer. I haven't heard much on that front. Yeah, I haven't heard anything so, about that. Yeah, so I feel like they're waiting for Lester to go, and then they'll figure out his market. Um, I think overall Scherzer's going to get paid more than Lester because Lester's going to take a little – might take less of money. And, Scherzer's but Scherzer, too, right? Yeah, and Scherzer is younger. Um, the Tigers, I don't think they're going to get him back unless they really pay for him, which I don't think they will. Um, they also have to worry about David Price, um, who is probably going to demand the Scherzer-type contract because he is worth it. He's good. Um, potentially, the Red Sox could go after David Price. I don't know how much it would cost to get him. Um, I saw a tweet earlier. I kind of laughed at it. It was Cespedes for Price straight up. <laughs> yeah, right. Like that would happen. Yeah. But... um that's a potential, too. You could go after David Price. Um, I don't know what his money would really be. It's going to be in the John Lester-type range. So, really, you have Scherzer, David Price, John Lester, Cole Hamels, all these big names out here for trade. Uh, the Reds have Johnny Cueto, Matt Latos, Leakey, and, and Alfredo Simone, who are all uh, going to be in free agency or or just basically their price tags going up, really. So, you have four guys in Cincinnati that they might not be able to commit to. You might be able to sweep up and, and maybe take two of them off their hands if you can kind of be generous, and that's where potentially Cespedes with some of your topper prospects come into hand if you don't want to go after Hamels, which it seems like they do. Um, the Reds have come out and said they don't want to trade Cueto. He's off the books. He's off the talking block, but I don't really believe that if they got the right deal. Um, I would consider maybe going after Latos or even um, uh, Mike Leakey. Leak? I don't even know how to say yeah, it. Leak. Um, it's Leak? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So either way... There's options out there, but it's also you have to realize that you know how many young pitchers these guys have on there. Uh, the Red Sox have to deal away. Uh, <laughs> Eduardo Rodriguez. I'm reading a list now. This is not off the top of my head. I'm not that smart. <laughs> um, Edwin Escobar, Brandon Workman, Matt Barnes, Ronaldo, Henry Owens, Brian Johnson, Stephen Wright, the knuckleballer, Ruby De La Rosa, and Alan Webster. A lot of pitchers. 
A lot of pitchers, and we know half of those guys already. We've seen them up here, and we know a lot of them can work. Brandon Workman can pitch in the in the American League. He's done it. He's been successful. Uh, Ronaldo has had success. Uh, Stephen Wright has some good games. Ruby De La Rosa, we know, can pitch in this league, along with Alan Webster. They've had their. They've probably been the two who've had the most success at the major league level for the Red Sox, being spot starters. I think Ruby De La Rosa could have value as a closer for somebody. Um, I thought maybe the Red Sox, but they decided to go after Koji again. So. Who knows about that one? But um, there's a lot of pitching prospects that could be dealt somewhere, and you could even consider going after. What I would like to see, if you don't get Cole Hamels, and potentially if you get Lester, I would like to maybe see you ship off maybe a De La Rosa, and I don't know about Henry Owens, but like Henry, De La Rosa, uh, obviously with Cespedes maybe bets, but definitely Cespedes, and then Ruby De La Rosa or an, and, and Ronaldo maybe, and go after and get go after a Matt Latos or even a Mike Leake. I don't know if they're going to get Cueto, but I wouldn't mind Matt Latos either. I also saw another thing, too, that people were suggesting trading Cespedes to the Mariners for Hisashi Iwakuma. I'd be cool with that. He's a really good pitcher. So yeah, if Yubi, is, do, do we know if he's available, Iwakuma? Like, is that a thing? I think so. I I don't think... I haven't I haven't read up on my Mariners news as of late. Yeah. But Okay, there's an article from... Uh, eight days ago that said Mariners have fielded inquiries on Hisashi Iwakuma. Okay, so maybe the Red Sox have been on the phone about that, that one. That might be a possibility. Uh, might be another possibility. There's some smaller names out there that aren't the big ones, the big ticket Cole Hamels. But the way the Red Sox are spending, uh, apparently, um, I guess it's the holiday season nowadays, so I guess they can be as generous as they want, apparently. Um, Cole Hamels is probably the best target they're going to find, unless they pay, pay Lester, because they want to spend their money. I've, I've seen great pictures today of... Uh, Photoshopped Ben Sherrington's face on a yacht throwing money off the side of, into the ocean. Yeah, I think it spends perfectly to what he's doing. He's just throwing his money around because I don't think the Red Sox have a plan. I really don't. First, they say we're all about we're not about the big contracts. Then they go out and give people big contracts. I don't mm-hmm. get it. They're all about locker room guys. They bring in Hanley Ramirez. I'm cool with Hanley Ramirez. I think the Red Sox can win with Hanley Ramirez if he stays healthy. They won with Manny being Manny for how many years? Yeah, right. They can handle Hanley Ramirez, especially with David Ortiz around and Pablo Sandoval and Dustin Pedroia. And John Farrell doesn't take crap. He's not he's not Terry Francona. Yeah, he's not John. He's not uh, Bobby Valentine. Thank God. <laughs> I think this. Yeah, really, that was a disaster in itself. But I think the big picture, you can survive with these out of character guys. But I'm just sick of the Red Sox coming in here and saying we're not going to sign those. We're not about that. And then you come in and pull a Yankees. Yeah. Well. But they do have options. They do have plenty of options pitching-wise. Like we said, we, we just used listed on me another one that I had no idea. So there's plenty of options there. I'm intrigued to see what happens. It sounds like Lester was going to make a decision by next week, um, the week after Thanksgiving. That's exactly. Because uh, apparently he's meeting with a couple more teams early next week, and he wants to have his deal done before the winter meetings. He wants to be off the market before the winter meetings, and those are soon. I, I don't remember what the exact date is, but those are mid-December, right? Right around the holidays. I think they're more so, early December than than late December, the middle of December. Let's see, it's their uh, December. Blah, blah, blah. Wait, what? <laughs> uh, they're early December. You don't need to give me exact date. It's fine. I thought I might have seen December seventh to tenth. We'll go with that. We'll go with that. That 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 works. That's fine. So that's early December. That's early, creeping into mid December. He wants to be off the books by then. Which is cool. That makes me stress a little less. Yeah. Because going into the winter meetings is a lot of you. A lot of stuff can get happen at the winter meetings. We signed Carl Crawford at the winter meetings a couple of years ago when that happened. So if you can get Lester off the books and you have a plan going into the winter meetings of okay, we have Lester or we don't have Lester, that kind of helps you shape in going into the winter meetings, being in face to face contact with these guys and these other um, baseball execs. So right. My prediction, Jess, is that as Lester comes back, you don't get Cole Hamels, and then you go after a, a smaller guy for the number two starter, and then you have Buckholz and Joe Kelly being 3-4, and then you put the young guy as the fifth starter. Um, who knows who that'll be, depending on who they trade away to get someone. Don't um, forget, but, too, the, what we talked about a couple weeks ago. We both wanted Justin Masterson back. <laughs> and on, and they're, I think they're still in those. They're still in the hunt for that. Yeah, I don't see why not. And he's gonna be a, he'd be a cheap option too. Obviously a free agent, so you wouldn't have. Is he a free agent? Um, or is, he, is that is that a trade? I don't remember. I think he's a free agent. I thought he was too. Okay, that's just me going crazy. Yeah, free, he's he's a cheap free agent, and if if that was the case, you don't have to give up a trade uh, a 
anything for him, just a cheap money contract. So if you can even, and then if you do that, along with potentially going in and signing a cheaper option for a number two, uh, a la Cincinnati or even Seattle, you have the, you don't need to deal a massive amount of people. It just depends really Lester, once Lester falls one way or the other, you're really going to know which direction this team's going because if Lester goes to the Red Sox, they're probably going to be out of Cole Hamels. You're potentially going to go get a small guy like Justin Masterson, maybe. You don't, you don't need him. And then you're going to be in on a, a pretty lower end to mid number two starter, whether it be any of the Cincy guys or anything like that who are lower tier guys, but enough to back up Lester and who, are, who will be better than Clay Buckles, which isn't too hard nowadays, but it's something. And I think once Lester goes, I think Lester will go before Cole Hamels. I don't think anyone will pull the trigger with Cole Hamels, including the Red Sox, until they know about Lester. Everyone's just waiting for John Lester. <laughs> it's pretty much the case. I think that's half the reason why he wants to wait. He wants to get it done, too, because he knows that he's the first one to go. Once John Lester goes, you'll start hearing Cole Hamels to Boston or not Boston rumors. You'll start hearing Max Scherzer deals heating up. You'll start hearing David Price and all those kind of guys heating James up. Shields. Uh, James Shields situation. I haven't heard a peep about James Shields. I haven't really heard anything besides uh, Lester. <laughs> It's been Lester and, and Lamels as of late. Yeah. And I think one, those two are the big ones now. And then once Lester goes, everyone knows Lester is setting the market. Once Lester gets his deal and sets the market, everyone's going to go around that. Right. So I think, because right now, in my opinion, Lester's the top pitcher on the market. Yeah, I think so. Because he's proven it, and he's a lefty. So he's the top guy. He's going to set the market, and then Scherzer's going to go around that. And Cole Hamels will want, his deal's already set in place. So he knows that he can get that from the Red Sox if they don't get Lester. But Scherzer's going to want whatever Lester gets, if not more. Then David Price is going to feed off of Lester because they've dueled in the past. So David Price is going to be right around Lester. Lester's setting the market here in Major League Baseball, and that's going to be a big deal. And if the Red Sox get him, it's going to be a pretty low market bar, and I'm sure everyone's gonna, If the Red Sox get Lester, Price, Scherzer, and all these guys are going to get paid more than Lester. If not, who knows? But that's... Lester, I feel, is coming to Boston. I think that's going to happen. You won't get Cole Hamels, and you go from there. That's what I'm but obviously, for. yeah, that's the, I think that's the number one hope for Red Sox fans because I think if you can get Lester too, then Pablo Sandoval and Hanley Ramirez are okay in my books. Yeah, definitely. If you don't get Lester, then I'm a little iffy on signing Hanley too. Right. But it all depends on what happens with Lester. And maybe if you get Hamels, I might be a little more okay with it too. But I think Lester is the okay – here you go, Red Sox fans. This will make you feel better about us spending way too much money on Pablo Sandoval and Hanley. Right. This is your. This is my Christmas gift to you. We can get Pablo for way too much. We can get Hanley for a little too much. We'll, we'll underpay Lester a little bit. Here's your Christmas present. <laughs> so we'll see what happens with that. But I think it's a big, big, obviously a big story to to follow the next couple of days uh, in the next coming week. Obviously, I don't think it's going to happen before Thanksgiving, being only a few days away. Um, I'm surprised. Hanley signed so quickly. Pablo said he was going to sign this week, but Hanley can't happen within the 24 hours. Again, obviously, Hanley signs the $88 million for four years vesting option for fifth at 22. Pablo's a five-year, $100 million deal. Don't think he's really a $20 million player, but it's what took him to get here, get him here. So definitely put me uh, first in line to buy a Panda t-shirt. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm definitely a big fan of the signing. I said it from day one. I'm, bu- I'm going to buy into all the Panda crap that's going to be around Fenway because I'm in. Yeah. I'm in, baby. Love me some Panda. We seem to be in agreement with pretty much everything this show, and we're, we're in tune today. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I think it's honestly I think it's hard to disagree with Pablo and Hanley Ramirez if it pans out. I don't think most Red Sox fans today are only complaining and moaning and groaning because of the money, but the money's worth it if you can get Lester too. I don't care about the money if you can figure it out. Yeah, it's not our problem to worry about the money. <laughs> the, Red, the Red Sox can afford them. The Red Sox can afford to overpay, and because the Red Sox have haven't don't have a history of overspending for guys except for the Crawford situation, which put a bad taste in all of our mouths. The Red Sox fans are going to groan when they see these big numbers because they're not used to a Red Sox paying for it. And now with the Red Sox winning last year with all the crap contracts and the small money contracts, they're going to think they can do it without signing these big guys. This is the way baseball works. You most likely need to overpay for guys to win a World Series. It usually is the case. The Yankees have won the most in the history of baseball because they overpay for guys. Mm -hmm. Sorry, if you don't want to be the Yankees, too bad. I want to be the Yankees because I want the success. I want the dynasty. I want 10 years. I mean, we've had great success in the last, since the 2000 uh, millennium broke in. I, I get it. It it happened. But I don't, don't complain about being the Yankees when the Yankees know how to win. They bought themselves a couple World Series. And I'm cool with that if you're going to win a World Series. Go for it. Yeah. Because you'll be, you'll be more relevant less often. They've been crap, the Red Sox have, except for 2013 for a long time now. And I'm 
they need to make the playoffs consistently, and that's what they're trying to do with these deals. Yeah, and with the, with the free agent big money deals, I mean, it goes both ways. The Yankees have made a lot of big deals that have turned into garbage, and they haven't won much lately. So, I mean, it goes both ways. It's just a risk you take. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, big, obviously, these deals are big risk, big reward, but I think they're going to pay off. Um, Sandoval is a very underrated player, I think, and once postseason comes along, these two players, I think, are going to flourish. Um, obviously, being news the Red Sox to fall for the rest of the week. We'll keep you updated on CLNS and obviously with the Red Sox beat Twitter. A um, couple minutes left here. Jess, I want to get to some more other baseball news. Yeah. Uh, the Mariners made it, uh, Kyle Seeger a pretty wealthy man today. Yeah, I don't, is he really that good? <laughs> uh, I honestly didn't know who he was. I, I had an idea. Um, most most people don't know who he is, and that's my kind of my point too. Is that this guy is third baseman for the Mariners? He's signing a hundred million dollar extension. I don't do I have the years in front of me? Let's see, seven years, seven years, a hundred million dollars, which puts him around what, like seventeen million dollars a year, something like that. Yeah, that's a lot of money for a guy that no one knows who it is. That basically means that's how people get paid nowadays. So if this guy's getting paid seven years and a hundred million dollars. Don't complain about the Pablo Sandoval deal. Nah. At all. Um, but, I'm looking at Seager's numbers. I mean, he has hit over 20 home runs the last three years. He's only been in the league four years, only three full seasons, and he's hit over 20 homers each time. But his his average is only 262. I mean, he's only been in the league four years. I don't think he's proven enough to get that big of a contract. No, it's a massive contract. He made $540,000 last year. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's oh, it. Oh, man. And now he's making this. It's like 17, 17 million a year. Uh, he's 27 years old. Gold glove um, last season. Hit 268. 25 home runs. Led the team in home runs yeah. with 96 RBIs in 159 games. So I can see why you'd want to lock him up. I think he's going to be a good player once he gets close to his 30s in the next couple of years. And I can see, honestly, why the Mariners might have done this. Because they think that he might flourish even more and become worth more down the road. So they might think this is like the Dustin Pedroia-type contract. Obviously not as cheap, but it might become team-friendly down the road once he gets better. Right. Because if he's winning a gold glove and hitting 268 and leading the team in home runs already at 27, that's a big deal. And now, if he didn't sign this contract and signed a couple years, that's 29 years old, like a type of Pablo Sandoval-type age. Whereas now you're going to your last big contract, six or seven years, and you don't and going into your 30s, and you're going to get a lot more money if you perform. So... I think as much as the money looks bad now, it might be cheap come down the road. So I'm okay with it. But, I, again, I had no idea who he was, really, until I looked up on him more. Um, I'm sure a lot of you fantasy baseball players probably know who he is more than I do because he seemed like he was a good pickup for most of you halfway through the year. So I, I think um, Marriage got excited that he got a gold glove and an all-star, almost 30 home runs, almost 100 RBI. I think they probably just got excited about that and said, let's get him. <laughs> Yeah, I think they're. I think they're trying to just. They're trying to stay relevant. They should have made the playoffs this year. I think they're a good team. Obviously, King Felix is there. You got Cano. Um, there's obviously been rumors about Lester going there. I don't even know if he visited there, but I don't think so. They're they're a decent team. I think they're going to be just back there next year. I think this is a. Big, this kid has something to do with it. I think he's going to be good for the long haul. I think that's why they kind of locked it up now and get it done as soon as possible. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So I think that's gonna be okay. I, I still think it's a lot of money now, but we'll see how that pans out. Um, other quick MLB news. Um, the Orioles apparently have Melky Cabrera on their sites as a backup if Nick Markakis doesn't sign long-term. Oh, interesting. Um, Quote-unquote, their fallback option, according to their sources. Um, this is MLB room, TradeRumors.com, my lovely hot stove website. I love this website. <laughs> They're great. They're really up to the minute. Um, but they offered them a deal. And then they kind of stopped talking. It was, I think, I believe, yeah, it was a four-year contract, and that was earlier in the year during the playoffs. Now they haven't really been able to talk about it since, and they haven't really got much out of it. Uh, Melky Cabrera hit 301 this year. Not terrible, obviously. Marquez had only hit 276, not much worse. But I think they're going to want Marquez first, obviously being the Oriole that he is. But I think Melky Cabrera might be a feasible option. I think Melky wants out of Toronto because Toronto's not good. They cannot get good for I don't know why, but. That's another thing as well, which is intriguing to me. I, I'm intrigued to see Melky Cabrera on the Orioles. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see if that happens. I think it's just kind of a clubhouse cancer. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's what they would want. That's for sure. Yeah, I know. Thank God. Keep him away. I'll take my pan any day. <laughs> um, you're gonna see it too. Little pandas with Red Sox logos on it. It's gonna be awful. Oh yeah. Uh, Definitely. Uh, non hot stove related news. We'll get to this right before we uh, kick off here for the end of the show. Um, MLB Hall of Fame ballot came out today. Big, big class this year. Uh, vote comes out January 6th, I believe. 
Uh, Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, John Smoltz, and Craig Biggio are the big four on the uh, ballot this year. Well, that was expected. Yeah, no, but I love it. I love it. The finally, Pedro. Pedro's going to get in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. I don't see any reason why Pedro. I think honestly, all, out of the big four, they're all getting in. I don't see why Randy Johnson, John Smoltz, Pedro, and Craig Biggio are all first ballot Hall of Famers. I'm sure they will be. I don't see. I don't see any question about that. Um. Craig Biggio is the only iffy one because his, his big claim to fame is his over 3,000 hits right. um, in his 20 seasons, all with the Astros. Um, I think that'll be what gets him in I don't, because 3,000 hits is still something to baseball writers. Yeah, definitely. So I think that'll get him in now. If not, if he doesn't get in now, he'll definitely get in next year. But Craig Biggio, I feel like we'll get in. John Smoltz, no-brainer. Randy Johnson, definitely no-brainer. Um, John Smoltz had 213 career wins, 154 saves. Yeah, that's 21 awesome. <laughs> seasons. Yeah, uh, 303 game wins, uh, winning games for Randy Johnson, and Ray Pedro had a 687 career winning percentage, which is sixth best in Major League history. And it, obviously, you have to count that he did that during the steroid era. Yeah. So I don't see why he doesn't get in either. I can't wait for his Hall of Fame speech. It'll be it's gonna be fantastic. Um, I'm. I always love when Pedro gets behind a mic. Uh, the big one that fans might not know about is Nomar Garcia Parra. He is on the ballot this year, <laughs> um, which I forgot about until I saw his name pop up in this article. Yeah. Do you think he gets in the hall at all? Yep. I'm not talking first ballot because I don't think he'll be a first ballot. No, I don't think, at I don't all. think he has any chance. I really don't. I, don't. I wish I could disagree with you, but I, I can't. I, he's six-time All-Star. Um, but Nomar really doesn't have much to speak of. He's a Fenway guy. Um, but other than that, he really didn't too much in his career to really credit himself as a Hall of Famer guy. Uh, another one is Gary Sheffield, 509 career home runs and drove in 100 or more runs nine times. Um, Gary Sheffield, I don't think is a Hall of Famer either. He has a better chance than Nomar, but I still don't think so. Yeah, yeah I think the 509 home runs help him. Definitely. But he also played with some steroid guys, so who knows? Um I don't think he's really been linked to steroids, but people are very criticize. Uh, people are criticizing of the home runs in that era. So who knows if they believe 509 is a real number? Nomar too. I, I'm. He's a Red Sox fan. I, I hope that's not true. But I mean, I've seen murmurs of it, and it makes sense with his numbers that he could have been involved with steroids too, because he just had the gigantic drop off, and his numbers were just terrible, injured all the time. It's possible. I hope not, but I, I think it's possible that Nomar could have been. Involved with that too. I don't know what you think about that, but yeah, no, I, yeah, it's definitely tough as a Red Sox fan. I, I wish they could get in. Um, side note on Craig Biggio too. This is actually his second time on the ballot. Oh, it is. So, oh, okay. Um, I didn't. I forgot about that. He got seventy-four point eight percent of the vote last year. Um, Mike Pietta finished second behind him. So you have to believe he's probably going to get in this year. Yeah, I, I would say so. If it's the second time. Um, Quote I have in front of me from last year, he said, obviously I'm disappointed to come that close. BGO said, after Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, and Frank Thomas all were elected, I feel for my family, the organization, and the fans, hopefully next year. Well, BGO, I'm assuming you're going to get your way this year because if you didn't get in last year, you barely missed it. it was, I think you need, what, 75% of the votes? And he had 74.8. Yeah. That's... Yeah. <laughs> so I don't see why he wouldn't get in this year. Um, I'd have to assume those four guys will be the ones who get elected this year. Yeah. And that's it. Right. Um, I don't think any of the steroid guys will ever get in because the baseball writers have something shoved up a place that I can't say on air, and they'll never let that one go. Well, speaking um, of that, I, actually, just quickly, I, I I just found an article that was written two hours ago that said Barry Bonds des- says he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> I think he does. I would put them all in. Yeah, would you? I'd put them all in. I don't care. They were able to do something in that era that everyone was doing. It, it, it Everyone did it. It evened the playing field. And you had pitchers still dominating some of these guys. Barry Bonds is the all-time leader in home runs. He belongs in the Hall of Fame. Pete Rose belongs in the Hall of Fame. Um, Mark McGuire belongs in the Hall of Fame. Don't think about Sammy Sosa. But these guys belong in the Hall of Fame. I don't. I get it. They juiced, but everyone did it. It kind of evolved the playing field for me. It was an era. It happened. Baseball writers don't want to believe it happened because they're all purists in the game. They need to be in. I don't think they're ever going to get in. But I definitely think the big four: Randy Johnson. Pedro, uh, Craig Biggio, and John Smoltz will get in. Eventually, Kurt Schilling will be right behind Randy Johnson, his former Arizona teammate, and behind Pedro. I hope somehow Pedro squeezes in who's your daddy to his Hall of Fame speech because that would be fantastic for me. 
wouldn't surprise me. Um, expect obviously if they get into he gets into to see a lot of Red Sox at that one because there's a lot of there's a lot of family involved with that team those teams he played for so you get, definitely expect to see that. Um, fans again don't forget after months of anticipation and hard work our app is available um, on the iTunes and Android stores the Google Play Store um, get all of our podcasts and post game shows up there so you go to sealonestradio.com backslash iOS free or backslash Android you can get that as well obviously in Google Play and the Apple i uh, app Store, excuse me. Um, Jess, again, great show, man. We, we're killing it. We should just do this all the time. <laughs> yeah, that was a good show. That might have been our best one yet. Phenomenal effort from both of us. I'm going to toot my own horn. It was a great show. Um, a lot of business. A lot of business, a lot of stuff to talk to. We might have more to talk to next week. We might be talking about John Lester in another uniform next week. Who knows? Um, but that is the time we have, all the time we have this week for Red Sox Beat. Again, Jess Thomas joining me. Thankfully, Nate might be back next week. Who knows? Tune in for that one. Uh, my name is Jared Scali. Again, this is Red Sox Beat. Enjoy the week of hot stove. Enjoy going out and buying all your Panda t-shirts once the Red Sox officially announce the deal. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you during the Christmas season. <laughs>